Hey everyone, I'm Mitchell Ray and you're listening to another episode of the Real Music Nashville podcast. This week I got to sit down with Walani Kilgore in studio for an excellent conversation. She is super easy to talk to and probably one of the most badass guitarists in Nashville, I, I gotta say. She's absolutely incredible. Um, she's a singer-songwriter, um, hired gun, and recently started pursuing a career as her own artist. And uh, in the past, she'd been more of like the hired gun type situation, uh, playing in other people's projects. And I just, uh, I think it's awesome that she's going to start pursuing a, her own career. Her music is absolutely the type that I uh, gravitate towards. It's just bare bones, uh you know guitar bass drums she shreds and sings and they back her up and it's just i can't wait to see where she goes with her own career lalani has her very first music video coming out here in a couple weeks i think it's called triple x moonshine that's xxx moonshine so look out for that on her youtube i'm sure she'll have a link in the instagram when it's dropped if you have a single or an album that you'd like to have promoted in the intro to one of these podcasts, just send me an email at realmusicnashville at gmail.com and we can make that happen. For those of you wondering what happened to the Deconstructed Sessions, that's the live podcast that I produce every other Wednesday for Chad Wilson. Um, we have put that on pause until we can get a website going and graphics package and get all the socials lined up basically just all of our ducks in a row for an official launch for the deconstructed sessions so that that set that series will be paused until further notice also don't forget to rate review and subscribe not just to the podcast rss feed but also our youtube channel and any of our socials um that really does help when we try to pitch this show to advertisers and then you know maybe we can start paying some of these people to help produce this content all right, that does it for updates and promos. Typically, I would transfer into the episode with a clip of some of Lalani's music, but like I said, she's a new artist in the sense that she's pursuing her own career instead of being a hired gun, so she doesn't have a lot in the way of iTunes or Spotify. That being said, she did play a song in studio for us, um, so that'll be in the episode, and that's awesome. I always enjoy and appreciate that. Um, she didn't have to do that. But as far as music for introing the episode goes i think what i'll do is find the instagram post of hers that initially caught my attention and it's just a, a clip of her absolutely shredding and um yeah hopefully that audio is okay because you can't really download straight from ig but i'm gonna i'm gonna insert that here and enjoy <laughs> Yeah, so I saw I saw that you uh, on I think it was Instagram or no, it's probably YouTube that you were playing a show with uh, Logan uh, Hatcher. Yes. How do you how do you know him? Um, gosh, you know I can't remember for the life of me how we actually met. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming just through recommendation and friends, just one of those things like, hey, this is Logan Hatcher, um, but he's a phenomenal player. Yeah. And so after the first time I saw him play, I was like, man, if I could ever get a show with him, and he's been kind enough to to play with me twice. Yeah. So that's been very been very grateful for that. Yeah, I had them in uh Beyond Here is uh the band that he's in right now. Right. Um and uh yeah, I just saw him and I was like, Hey, everybody knows everyone. Right, yeah, in a small <laughs> world. It's really a small world. It's wild. For sure. Um All right, yeah, so I, I start these things out kind of the same way every time. Um could you just sort of give me like a his or for the listener that may not know who you are, like a history of um you know, just where you came from, uh, your background, and, and like what led you to Nashville. 
So I was uh, born in California, lived mostly in California uh, for most of my life. Um, started playing music in California. Well, that's a lie. Um, I started playing when I was living in Washington State when I was younger. Uh, by the time I moved to California when I was 13, I was all about playing electric. I started out classical, and it was not my thing. I mean, <laughs> it was I like... I love classical. The finger picking and everything. That's yeah. very fun. It's, it is cool. And now that I'm older and mature and have like a bit of common sense, I, I think... Uh, I do enjoy it, but, you know, being nine and, like, listening to, like, Green Day and the Rolling Stones, I was like, this is not, there is something missing here. And it was, you know, I was missing a, a cable, for starters, some pickups. So when I moved to California when I was 13 with my parents, um, got a Strat and started really laying heavy into just punk. I did, you get the, did you get the Strat pack that everyone gets, the, uh, the little... My, uh, mine sitting over there, the, the very first Strat that I ever got that came with, like, a little... Um, a little Epiphone amp and a Stratocaster, like, $100 pack. No, but that sounds like a great deal. I should have. Yeah, right? I probably should have rather than just getting the guitar. I think my first amp was a little, some horrible little cube amp. Yeah. Like a 5-watt, like, a little 1 by 8 like, mm -hmm. tiny cube amp. But, uh, yeah, I started, I thought I wanted to do the punk thing. That was the music I was listening to at the time, and I was uh, kind of working on and off with an instructor who was like, no, I really think that you need to learn to play blues. I think that's what... You know, for fundamentals, that's what you should start with. And uh, got in some BB King, loved that. Um, and uh, went to a blues festival and, and had this like moment of like, wow, if you can, if you can convey emotion like that through just like playing a guitar, I was like, because I'm I'm a I'm a verbal klutz anyway. Yeah. So I don't like speaking in long in in long term sentences as is. So I was like, oh great, this is a, an excellent way to substitute the fact that I speak too fast and can't speak clearly. So I'll just let the guitar talk for me, and uh, never looked back. I love playing blues. And how then, old How old were you uh, when you went to that that uh, blues festival? I must have been fourteen. Wow. Yeah, yeah. but it, I just had this like really visceral emotional reaction to hearing uh, uh, an artist play um, blues guitar in a in a very skillful way just be like oh man that's exactly what i want to do i didn't yeah. realize until i heard it that that's what i wanted so really went after it started playing like six to eight hours a day just learning by ear and you know albert king and and freddie king like all the kings and like roy gallagher steve ray vaughn you know on and on and on um until i ended up uh, applying for berkeley my senior year of high school and got accepted on scholarship headed up there for two years and it just really wasn't my thing i took as many classes as i wanted to take uh, studying as much as I wanted to. I will say it was probably my most prolific creative period, which I, I want to figure out how to get back to. But I think just without even realizing it, having to spend so much time totally immersed in music and having to write all the time and having to analyze things all the time, I think it helped me be a little braver in my writing. So that's something I'm trying to work to get back to now. But um, by my second year at Berkeley, because I'd already visited Nashville to apply for Belmont, I just didn't get as much of a scholarship offer. So being somebody who doesn't come from like an incredibly rich family, um, right. whatever we could get helped, thus Berkeley. By my second year, I was like, you know what? I really just kind of want to go back to Nashville. I've taken all the electives I wanted to take. Everything past this is, it's not gonna, it's starting to feel restrictive. And that scared me to death because blues is not a restrictive genre. Restrictive how? Like, what do you, like, because um, I went to MTSU and um, I went there for music business. And of course I took classical guitar there. <laughs> Um, and among, you know, audio engineer classes and stuff like, and songwriting classes. Yeah. And so, um, they, the songwriting classes made me feel really restricted. Like they, mm -hmm. they were really regimented and not at all, um, in my experience, how you create good music that speaks from you, you know? Right. And so like, did you kind of have that same experience? Exactly. Because you're starting to apply a formula to emotion. Exactly. Which yeah. is so contradictory. And I started to feel that way about my playing. Growing up playing blues, having no, no understanding of theory, I wasn't having to think about what I was playing, really just more so feel it. Right. So when it started to be the, the adverse effect and I was analyzing everything I was playing, well, how can I fit in, you know, this mode over this pentatonic, whatever. I was like, that's so not what this genre is for and that's not why i play yeah and it's nothing against berkeley i had the most fantastic professors i still stay in touch with some of them i absolutely loved it it was an amazing experience but by year two it was I, I didn't even like playing and so i was like okay this needs to this needs to change either i'm gonna stay here hate what i'm doing or quit and go start working and get back to what i love so that's what led me to nashville and and uh, pursuing work there 
You said you went. Uh, it was time to go back to Nashville. Did you have a stint here before you went to Berkeley and then you came back? Just only during my audition uh, for Belmont. But being in Nashville, even for those three, four days when I was 17 or 18, still in high school, uh, I'd never been. And yeah. Uh, met some people that I'm actually still close friends with who were also auditioning. We all went down to like BB Kings after we auditioned and, you know, hung out at the clubs. And yeah. it was so cool. I actually, I bought a Les Paul while I was here, <laughs> like, which I think I've I finally just paid off. Like, you know, it's... Yeah, I was about to say, where'd you get that money? Because <laughs> I'm 32 and I just bought my first Les Paul. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it was, I think I'm still paying off my second Les Paul that I bought a year later. It's, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. thank God for payment installments. There but, you go. Uh, I, I was actually in tears when we got back on the plane. I just did not want to leave Nashville. And I, I loved Boston, but mm -hmm. Nashville for me just felt like such a draw. And it was I'd never been around such a music-oriented city before. It was just like this this like carnival of yeah. just passion and everything that you play music for for a reason. Mm -hmm. Now that I play Broadway shifts, uh, I, I do see it in a bit of a different light. I think, you know, when you're a kid and you see it and you're just visiting, it's like it's one thing. But when you're actually doing the shifts, you're putting in the work. You're putting in the hours. It's, I mean, I'm I'm still so grateful for it. I'm grateful to get to have experienced both sides of Nashville at this point. Yeah, you have an interesting perspective, I guess. And so, like, you fell in love with it. And now, um, I know you play. I was looking at just uh, on your website, just kind of the the um, your lineup of shows and everything. You play constantly. Yeah, and a lot of it doesn't even make it up there because the way that our Broadway shifts work with the, with the particular group that I'm with, yeah. we don't find out until the afternoon of the shift where we're playing. So I'm actually, I play every single night. I don't think I've had a night off and I don't even know how long. That's wild. So it's great. Well, yeah, that, it's absolutely amazing because, uh, I mean... It keeps the lights on. Yeah, I was about to say, you could probably... <laughs> You can probably afford to be a full-time musician, right? Well, I guess I can, which is amazing. But the other thing about Broadway that, you know, is, is a bit of a learning curve is all of that, all that hauling gear. And, like, I, I was, I thought I was going to be a snob about tube amps. I've always been a snob about yeah. tube amps. I just was like, oh, solid state, not for me. I can't do that, blah, blah, blah. By the time my third tube amp blew up on Broadway, <laughs> I went, you know what? Yeah. On second thoughts. Maybe solid state's a little uh, more... Uh, it's not going to break on the bumpy ride down. Right. When that goes rolling down Fifth Avenue <laughs> off my cart, I'm not nearly as worried about it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. For those of you who don't know, like uh, the, if you go to Nashville on Broadway and if you stay long enough um, and, you know, when bars start closing and stuff, you'll start to see the musicians pushing little trolley carts of their equipment all up and down, going back home and everything. It's uh, it's I don't know. It's just interesting to me anyways. It's a it's a wild scene. It's so funny to me. Like it's always every about every four hours, you know, you can always catch just musicians just kind of flocking in with yeah. their cards. It's a it's a weird scene. I love it. But um, so what I was uh, trying to get to with that though is like, so you fell in love with it as a little girl, uh, Nashville that is seeing Broadway and everything, and now you play on Broadway pretty consistently. Um, and I mean, a lot of artists. They they tell people to stay. They almost say stay away from Broadway mm -hmm. if you want to be your an, an artist to yourself. Um, but it it is a great way to make money. And then they say you fall into the trap of staying in Broadway. Mm -hmm. What is your opinion on that? Well, I I was told that when I first moved here for almost five years ago now, and committed to that. I was like, I'm never going to play on Broadway. Yeah. And so I ended up having to get day jobs, and which is in retrospect would have been better to just do the Broadway, but I don't think I was ready, mm -hmm. to be honest with you, because I had this weird, like, defiant mindset of, I'm not going to play country, I'm not going to learn how to play it, I'm not going to learn to play the standards, I'm going to be different. Right. Which is fine, but it's not going to get you work around here necessarily. I mean, that's the thing that I think people don't always understand about Nashville, is if you're going to do something like Broadway shifts, you're going to do that sort of thing and be consistently working as a hired gun, you do have to learn those things, whether you like it or not. So for a long time, I avoided it up until COVID. And that's when it was like, okay, I need hmm. to find a line of work. I need to stay in town. I was driving um, 15 hours, aka 1,000 miles every single weekend during the pandemic just to get to gig in a state wow. that actually had gigs. I was going to Mississippi every weekend because that's there was, what I was no about to work. say, is that... Is that why you have so many Mississippi dates on your calendar? I booked ahead for job security because I didn't wow. know when I was going to get to work yeah. again. Because prior to COVID, I was actually doing cruise ship contracts, and I was out of the, I was out of the, you know, out of town for three months at a time. And it was honestly, it, it was similar to Broadway, but it was classic rock, uh, which I, I really loved playing, and I was thankful for that job because honestly, if I wasn't doing those cruise ship contracts where you have to learn, you have to memorize ninety songs in you know two weeks before you get on on board, and then 
play exactly like the record. If it wasn't for that job, I don't think I'd get to be working every night of the week now. Right. I wouldn't have that skill set. So, I mean, in retrospect, Broadway is... I think it's it's a great way to put the hours in. And the thing about getting trapped on there is it's, it is very easy. You know, like, I really have to force myself to try to carve out time to work on my own music now that I'm finally over the fear of pursuing that and starting to do it this year. Um, you do have to force yourself to try to fit time in for that. If you're doing, you know, even just doubles or I do the late shifts every night, so I get home at, you know, 3.30 and it's just exhausting. Right. Yeah, yeah. But the good thing about doing it, I will say, is... A, it keeps me working full-time as a musician, which I'm unbelievably grateful for. And B, it helps provide an income to support the original music. Yeah. Because that, that's not a cheap business to be in when you're starting out. No, I mean, look around you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the... So, I've all Yeah, that's... When people have told me that, I'm, I've always been like, dude, I would love to have a, a gig on Broadway that brings in money, you know, like mm -hmm. that. That's always seemed like a, um, you know, I could have a day job and then, and I pursued that for a little, a little while. Um, uh, but, you know, I was never trying to be like a, an artist like you are or whatever. Um, you said that this year you finally started trying to carve out time uh, to pursue a career of your own. Is that why I can't? So, like, when I was putting together show notes, I can't really find. I mean, you have you're playing all over, but I can't really find like a a wealth of like a body of work that you've put out or anything. Because I never have. It's yeah. always been using the cover safety blanket. Yeah, and that was fine and it was good. Um, but I had this weird sort of moment earlier this year when I was driving seven and a half hours to go play more covers, and I was like, you know what, this is this is the time now that I'm home, and I have I had free time before I was doing the Broadway shifts. I was like. I, I dabbled in the past. I'd always put a couple original songs in my, my cover gigs, but it was always three or four hour gigs, you know? And the thing is when you hire a band as thinking professionally speaking from a business mindset, if you hire a band that's going to play songs, you know, your audience will like versus a band that may not be received very well playing original music. No one knows. Right. Right. That's a risk. So I was using that as a safety blanket forever and it was bringing in money. And I was happy about that mm -hmm. because I value being able to live by myself and be independent um, but earlier this year, when I was when I had no work, I was like, you know what, this is this either it's gonna happen now or it's not. Yeah. So I pursued it much more aggressively and got a bunch of writing done. And unfortunately, I will say the Broadway thing is is a very very hard balance now that I'm doing that full time to stay working as a musician full time. You almost have to run yourself into the into the ground. You really do. Yeah. You're really burning the candle at both ends. It's yeah. it's a lot of work. But the, you know I. I'm so grateful to get to play gigs after going through 2020 and having no work, losing all my contracts. Um, I'm also grateful for the fact that the Broadway thing is allowing me to keep my chops up, which is, I mean, so important, as well as keep me in town so I can work on the original stuff I have time for. Like, uh, I was out in California just cutting two singles that are were going to be released this month. Now they're getting released uh, in June. Um, and then getting the music that, video done. Um Obsession and Hurts My Soul? No, haven't even cut those yet. Okay. But those are some of the new originals that I wrote this year that I was like, just I just got like an hour set together. I was like, we're going to go start doing original shows. We're just going to do it. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, thankfully, it's gone well, but it is it is kind of a slow process getting all of that together, especially if, you know, if, you know, if you don't have like a record label backing you financially, it does take a lot of planning. And, and I, I always get so nervous about my bank account, especially after <laughs> After yeah. 2020, I get so nervous. So I'm trying to uh, just plan it in a way that's like, I know I'm going to be tracking in July as well. We've got music video being filmed next month, uh, second music video, and then the two singles being released as well. So I it's getting get, there. Yeah, I want to get back to that for sure. And it's, and I, I'm also really curious why you chose to go to California to record instead of Nashville. But, but first, um, I mean, as like a higher gun musician, which you, I think you're one of the first that I've had in here that, um, you know, is extremely knowledgeable about that side of the world. Um, what did 2020, I mean, how many people just kind of fell off the map? Like, what did, what did you guys do for income? Well, the toughest thing was in my particular situation, and I know you've interviewed Jess, who I love dearly. Uh, she kind of, we were both working for the same company, Jax mm -hmm. Hollow. Yeah, I was about to say Jess. I was like, is that Jax? Yeah, Jax. <laughs> um, we were both working for uh, the same cruise ship contract company. Now, yeah. she was on board already, 
when her contract fell through. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually out in California rehearsing or getting ready to rehearse for my next contract. The problem with that line of work is you don't know how long you're going to be gone, when you'll be back, up until really almost the day you leave. So there's no way to line up work in between. So you're just totally reliant on what you're going to do during the contract, and there's no there's no backup plan. Right. So when I was out in California, we received word, hey, the contract that you're about to go on has been officially canceled until further notice. You can't do anything about it. There's no, there's no severance pay. There's nothing like that. We just had to wait. And we, I mean, everybody that I know that worked for the contract, we all just had to wait for most of the year. And eventually, by the time fall rolled around, we realized we're not getting work. You have to start finding another way. Otherwise, you know, your, your back's up against the wall. Yeah. So a lot of us just tried to figure out a way to keep surviving, basically, yeah. I think, was the general attitude. Was it just everyone got a, a freaking day job? I mean, I know that you, you were smart about it and you started booking yourself out and you said you're tr doing these crazy drives to uh, just keep playing and keeping the money coming in. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I wonder how many... You know, people that play on Broadway hired guns like yourself. I wonder how many just went back to bartending or something. Or not, you couldn't even bartend. So, like, yeah. I, I wonder what, you know. I know during the summer of last year, I, I picked up my, I started to work my first Broadway shifts. Um, I think it was July. And there were two bars that had bands. It was uh, Bailey's at the time mm -hmm. and Rippy's. Those were the only two bars that had bands. And, um Stopped working those shifts around August. That's when I started filling in with the Mississippi gigs. Um, but it was just literally anything. I mean, that's why you saw so many live streams. Just anything people could do to, especially those of us who had no income lined up and suddenly right. lost a significant amount of money that we had planned on on a, obtaining via work. You know, I, I don't know how everybody handled it. I do know a couple people, you know, like uh, the bassist I play the Broadway shifts. He and I both worked as uh, part-time deliveries like drivers wow just yep. just to have income yeah then there was the unemployment as well thank thankfully for the, the unemployment and the stimulus checks and then when that started to die out then it was like well it's still not you know if you get 400 bucks a month from the government that's not gonna that's not gonna even pay half my rent yeah so just whatever it took i mean i started teaching started doing live streams not so much the live stream thing because it's not if you don't have an audience to feed off of it just feels so hollow and empty I, I didn't like that so yeah i was going to ask you how you felt about the live streams and it's hard it's really and hard like so i mean if if you put effort into that you know you can build a, a, a you know a really good following and everything and i know um let's see flight attendant i just did a podcast with them i don't know if you know those guys no um oh i'm sorry i'm forgetting your name uh well she knows who she is, but the lead singer for Flight Attendant was telling me all about um, how they've built up a fan base on Twitch and, mm. and Reddit. Mm -hmm. And um, it seems like they weren't talking too much about YouTube, but they they built up that fan base. And uh, she said she's, you know, basically being able to support herself off of that. So, I mean, there is there is something there, but I can understand because I've also talked to other artists who are just like, I felt like I was you know, singing into the void and you get done with the song and there's silence. Yeah. And it's like, and you're playing and you don't have that energy from the crowd to feed off of. And, and it can feel extremely hollow. So I understand that. But, um, yeah, I wasn't really going anywhere with that, I guess, <laughs> other than just saying that. <laughs> well, no, that I mean, cause I've, I've heard people have a, a positive experiences with it as well. Yeah. I, I will <coughs> say that you, it's, it's so, it's so weird. I mean, growing up being like, I've always earned, money as a musician playing live like from 15 I was doing casino gigs with a cover band and that's like that's what I'm used to is having that that's what I grew up on as far as performing is concerned always having that energy yeah. I wasn't a studio rat I was a performer so um I it's do like, I'm, I saw, I'm sorry to no, cut you off fine. but it's like that Instagram uh uh post I saw of yours that that um made me initially contact you it's like dude you're definitely feeding off the crowd there and you're just shredding and fucking feeling it, and you can tell, and it's like a moment. There's no way you could capture that on a live stream. That's not possible. I don't. I don't think you could just see it on your face and what you're doing, and it's just like you're probably not like this is stuff you've never even played. But it's just coming from somewhere else inside you, you know. And I, th I don't think that's possible without an audience. No, and that actually was taken from. I know what, what post you're talking about, and thank you by the way for for oh, yeah. feeling the 
like wanting to reach out to me as a result. Thank you. Yeah. That was from the second original show that I've I've ever done full just just straight original show, and that I think in turn led to that that solo happening. Yeah. I don't pre-plan solos. I don't write solos. I don't believe in that. Yeah. I know that's probably not the safest thing to say as a musician, but I just don't, uh, especially not for my own stuff, because I I think that in the moment you're always going to come up with something new and push yourself. That particular gig, um, the second gig, it was a room that was probably you know, twice as big as the first one we did, uh, totally different setup, very professional, a lot of people there. And it scared me half to death. Mm. I was like, okay, some of these people have heard these songs before. None of them have been recorded. Nobody has any idea what I'm about to do. They could absolutely hate it. And you get up there with this feeling of, I need to kill or I'm going to be killed. It's yeah. a kill or be kill mentality. And that solo was part of that was just, I think every solo I played that night was me stepping away from the mic and going, I have this amount of time to say something and make it stick and have an impact and have it match all of the energy and effort that I've put into writing the song. Or, you know, it just, it can't be like a milk toast solo. It can't just be a run of the mill going through the motions. This needs to mean something. Right. Because if I don't play it like I mean it, no one's going to care. Well, you definitely fucking killed it. I mean, oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, we can swear? Sweet. Perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the internet. No one gives a shit. Um, but yeah, so thank you for, for reaching out because I <laughs> yeah, appreciate no it. I was, I mean, I was like thrilled when I got your message. I was like, oh man, that's so cool. It's guitar solo got me an interview. That's great. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem, man. But no, you can't, you can't, uh, part of that is the energy is, is yeah. having those eyes on you and having no idea. Like, you know, I, I have a fear of looking at the audience. I don't, it freaks me out, especially if it's stuff that I wrote my you, own personal stuff scares me you look at that wall on the back that's exactly <laughs> right you just <laughs> stare the wall down right but yeah i mean so you it's just like well you know this is gonna go one way or the other and i'm gonna do everything i can to make it go the best way it can so yeah i i didn't know how the audience was feeling i didn't look at the audience it's just i was just like all right we're just gonna we're just gonna do this and see what happens you know so well it obviously turned out really well and man i wish i could have been there that looked like a great fucking show but um let's get back to so you you just recorded some tracks in california i did so how many two tracks two tracks okay so why california when i mean maybe you have connections out there or something but there are so many great studios here yeah um it's it's funny yeah i mean like retrospectively I, I guess, and actually the person I recorded with in California said this, he said, I have a really unconventional way of going about things. And I think he meant it in a nice way of saying the way that you do things doesn't make any fucking sense at all. <laughs> um, so the I have a friend out there who actually was supposed to be a musician on the contract with me. I was with him when we got the news that it was canceled. He mm. called me and we stayed in touch and I actually went out and saw him uh, during um, the pandemic. And, you know, we, we just did a couple shows together and wrote together. And he called me uh, a couple months ago and said, hey, I have a studio. I'm going to be producing some artists. He was like, just because I like your music, I want you to come out and I'll do it for you at like, a, you know, like at no cost, really, um, which That's is not awesome. true. I mean, it, it wasn't free. It was just he cheaper. It was cheaper. He got some incredible musicians uh, on the track Triple X Moonshine on Oregon. We've got this guy, Steve Magoria, who just got uh, hired to tour with Toto. Um, yeah, Whoa. ridiculous. I mean, just an amazing keys player. I actually met him for the first time last year when I saw him and his band, Robert John and the Wreck, live in California, and they just blew me away. I know they've been on Bonamassa's cruises, and they're unbelievable. And so, I, you know, like, for example, like, getting getting him on the track, like, getting the email, hey, because uh, uh, the guy who produced it, a good friend of mine, Justin, is a keys player who's amazing, absolutely amazing. But he said he didn't really feel like what he was laying down fit it. And he's like, so we just got Steve. So just, you know, just send him some money or something. And, and I was like, amazing, fantastic. And <laughs> Steve killed it. And uh, we got um, a drummer who did the drum tracks who just did an amazing job. And so uh, and then the guy mastering it is, um, oh, oh, what's his name? He's done mastering for an unbelievable list of records and i wish i could remember what his name was this is horrific uh but he's i know he's mastered like stones records and and a lot of my favorite albums i didn't realize so he's gonna do the mastering for it so really the reason i did it out there is because justin who is an unbelievably kind generous skilled talented lovely person was like i just believe in what you're doing i want to help you out and i'm gonna get you this great team behind you at a lower cost than what they would normally charge yeah 
Um, well, so that sounds that's, like a great reason, you know. Yeah. Long story short, yeah. that's why. <laughs> that's why I did it. Yeah. You had the connections and a cheaper price. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it still costs about as much as what it would probably cost out here to do, minus the studio time. Probably. Yeah, um, yeah. I know studio bookings out here are pretty expensive. That's the only thing that we didn't cost because we just tracked his house. Uh, with his setup. Um, but then you got to fly there, so I guess. Yeah, there was the plane ticket. Yeah, so I'd say, you know, it probably cost about as much as it, it would maybe cost here. Um, I think I think the people that we used on the tracks and the person who's going to be mastering it would charge more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if those people weren't involved and I was using people in here that I could afford at the same rate, it wouldn't be the same pedigree of players. Right. Just because I'm always broke mm-hmm. because that's how musicians are. Um, but given the budget I had and the people that were willing to work with me with that, um, it was just an amazing team. So that's why I did it out there. I will be tracking my third track out here in Nashville and, um, and then hopefully by November or December, um, there's a producer in town that I've actually been talking to for years and then got caught up with cruise ships and was never around to work with him. So I'm going to hopefully have him do the EP. And if I'm lucky next year, actually get a full album done with with a, a producer in town so that's it's just awesome scaling scaling yeah. and budgeting and and uh, i mean i'm horrible with finances i just i'm <laughs> i spend money as quick as i make it because i'm like oh a guitar that i can actually like afford this month right maybe not next month but this month so you know it's just it's a mess hey you're reinvesting in yourself that's exactly right it's liquidation <laughs> right it's right. just you know it's just having you know yeah it's i mean i just i'm i'm kind of a gear freak i mean i've, I've bought too many amps this year i can't wait to ask you about that in a little bit um <laughs> uh so all right, so you just did your first music video, which was Triple X Moonshine or XXX Moonshine. Triple X Moonshine, okay. yeah. All right, and so you just did that. Um, tell me a little bit about that experience. How did like how did you set up the crew? Did you do it yourself? Did you do it with iPhones? I mean, what uh, I mean, what was? Tell me everything. So uh, basically, um, I got my third stimulus check, and <laughs> I went. You know what? I have a gig. Uh, this is going to be extra money. I'm going to put all this into <laughs> into this project because I I can afford to do this and I want to. So what happened was, and it's my first music video as well, and I've been playing the song live for years and I rewrote it to present to somebody as a demo and changed the key and stuck in a, got drunk and wrote a bridge and, you know, whatever, <laughs> as one does. And I was like, you know what? I really want this to be, as my first music video, I really want it to be just great, you know, and... I want it to be fun, and I want it to be what I what I think this song deserves. I'm not saying it's a very deep song. It's not, by any means. But it is a fun song. Mm-hmm. And I like the riff, and it's just been something I've been doing forever. So I was like, I'm going to do it justice and 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 do a music video that I think fits the, the mood. So um, I have a friend in town who actually I met through Jax. Uh, his name is Austin Delamano, and I've used him for photo shoots. And he shot the footage at the, the live original shows. Um and uh, just, I think, does amazing work. So I hit him up and I said, hey, Austin, I would really love to work with you on a music video. And um, I was out in California and he said, great, what's the song? I sent him the track and uh, he was like, okay, cool. You know, I kind of have a couple things in mind, but let me know what you're thinking for it. So I was on the flight back from California. In fact, I'd already booked the hotel room at this point. I don't, it, like, this is what my friend Justin meant when he said you do things in a very unconventional way. There's a, do you know the Dive Motel down on Dickerson Pike? Oh, no. Yes, I do. You yeah. stayed there? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I don't know how I found them, but I was looking for, I had an, a, kind of a, like a loose idea in mind of what I wanted the music video to be. And I was like, I think we're going to need a hotel room. And I was like, looking through like Nashville motels or whatever. And the dive motel came up and I went. Did it come with free meth? <laughs> <laughs> Probably would have been a lot more fun if it had. Right. <laughs> But um, their rooms are insane. Their rooms are ridiculous. And so I like saw like a photo of like their their like honeymoon suite, and I was yeah. like, I I don't know what this is gonna be used for. I didn't even know what song this was gonna be used for at the time. I didn't know how this was gonna fit into anything. But I was like, I'm gonna use this for a music video. So I booked it. Got out to California. Um, told uh Justin, hey, I need this track done first because we're shooting a music video for it. He said, wait a second, you booked, you spent how much money on a hotel room <laughs> without even knowing what you were going to do with it or what song? Yeah. He was like, that's when he told me, hey, maybe uh, try rational thinking mm, for once. Maybe no. write down a plan. <laughs> <laughs> maybe have some sort of inkling of a right. logistical, no, none of that. So um, uh, so I sent Austin the track, I said, hey, that, that hotel room I booked, I know what we're going to use it for. Send him the track. And uh, on the flight back from California, I wrote up the storyboard. And the song uh, was written 
um, as a result of a very promiscuous situation that I had found myself in. And uh, it's it's exactly what it sounds like. It's about just really physically being attracted to somebody and you know you have no business being with this person, um, but you want it as badly as you want to drink on a Friday night. So that's kind of what the song is about. And I wrote a storyboard that matched the mood and then some. So sent it over to Austin and um, I called my friend uh, – who's an actor who lives in New York, uh, mm -hmm. who's just a very gorgeous person. He's just a very <laughs> good-looking guy. And I was like, you know what? I need a good-looking guy for this. So called him and said, hey, I'm about to board a flight back to Nashville. I have a hotel room booked next week yeah. uh, with no cancellation policy, no refund, um, and I need you to be in this music video. Are you going to be in town? He said, uh, yeah, actually, coincidentally enough, I will be. I said, great, no problem. I think we were shooting Tuesday, and I was flying back on Sunday. So I get back to Nashville, hotel room's been booked, already paid the deposit, uh, half the damn stimulus check. I was like, "There's, everything's cool, it's fine, we'll get it sorted. It's a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money. Yeah. So I was like, this needs to work yeah. <laughs> because I'm not going to get this back. Um, Monday morning, the day before the shoot, I texted Russell and I said, hey, when are you getting in town? Here's when we're going to meet at the hotel and shoot this thing, send of the storyboard. And he said, oh, shoot, um, I'm actually not going to be in town until like, next week oh i went oh good so spent all of monday scrambling to find anybody and i hate to say this but i, I was i was being really picky mm. um i just had a very particular image in mind for what i wanted the male character to look like yeah. and it's your first music video so obviously you're shooting for perfection here yeah yeah absolutely i mean i was just like i just need this to be you know i just i don't know what i wanted but i, I did want it to be i wanted it to be what it what it should have been as a first music video, I suppose. I think somebody had shown me, uh, oh, who's that girl that wrote um, Maggie something or other. Anyway, the young girl, she her first music video, somebody showed it to me, and it was, like, unbelievable. And I was like, okay, that's the level I want mine to be, yeah. you know? I think I got a little competitive for no reason at all. <laughs> and um, so I spent all of Monday scrambling. I was like, okay, we have to be at the hotel by 4 o'clock on Tuesday. I have nobody to play this role with me. There's a lot of really intimate scenes, so I need it to be somebody I'm comfortable with. I don't know how I'm going to do this. So by 8 p.m., I find myself on Tinder. And I'm like, just straight up, loaded up a profile, <laughs> paid the extra money for the boost, and put in my bio, literally just on here because I need somebody for a video shoot Tuesday. Oh, my goodness. So window shopping, and like somebody was brave enough to match with me. Not only match with me, but also message me and say, hey, I'm really interested in your bio. What's that about? And I said, it's as advertised. Yeah. I really need somebody for this shoot. Yeah. And guy probably thought he was going to get murdered. His friends told him not to do it. But sure enough, this kid shows up the next day at the hotel at 4 o'clock. And we shot the music video and uh, finished the bar scenes the next week. And it was so much fun. It was just so much fun. Um, I actually think it worked out perfectly. This kid was really great to work with and easygoing and let me really push him around more than anybody <laughs> probably should. Well, yeah, he's probably terrified. I'm in a, on this shady motel on dickerson pike anything could happen to me i could disappear and no one will ever see me again right his phone was going off the whole time i was like you better let your friends know you're yeah, not those were those were his dead. parents checking <laughs> up on <in> him <laughs> but yeah so long story short it was a it was a very i didn't know if it was going to work out and it did work out even better than i could have hoped and it ended up i think we're going to do the final review tomorrow and then that should be out within the next two or three weeks so uh, are you gonna, it was just great was are you gonna build towards the release of that and start and and like advertising and, and everything so everyone will be able to check that out yes 100 okay. percent. Um, so there's no set date but like pretty soon we just need to get the mastering mm -hmm. uh as soon as we get the mastering in um i think it takes about two weeks for distro kid to release a, uh, a track so once we have a release date actually set i can start promoting it and then i just got to figure out how to promote on instagram and what on earth that system is and talk to jax's manager because good god they have a I don't know. They have a marketing machine going on over there. Yeah, they're uh, killing it. Angela Lease, man, she knows what she's doing with she that does. Instagram She does. She's fantastic. Stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah. But all in all, long story short, it was a great experience. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of Jax again, she came. She seems uh, seems to keep coming up in our conversation. Um, I didn't realize. So I saw that video of you on Instagram, and I was totally blown away. And I was like got to have this person on and um then i started going back and uh i was just randomly watching one of jack's videos and i was like that looks like fucking lalani and then i saw you were in the other one too and but then i uh, when she's played out you're not uh playing live shows with her so are you 
are you in uh, her band as like a, a, a bassist or a guitarist or anything, or how how is that relationship? That was a that was a brief stint. Um, Jess and I, I don't remember how on earth. Well, we started talking because we were working the contracts, and I don't I don't remember how we both got back in touch with each other. But she basically reached out to me and said, "Hey, I've just written this EP, which I know you have up on your wall. There, oh which yeah, is great. Yeah, she signed it when she came over for. We did a live stream with her. I saw recently. that. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. It was great, by the way. Oh, that thank was you. An awesome setup. Um, but yeah, she was like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm having this release party and, and we, we kind of knew each other and she's like, I'd love for you to come and, and hang. And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. And plus, you know, Michael Wagner is a legendary producer. So right. I was like, I'd love to hear her music and, and just check it out. So went and hung with her and we just got along really well. And I, I, us, I just absolutely adore Jess. So she said, um, Hey, we're filming a music video. And she was like, I know you're not a bassist, but we need a bassist and you look the part. Would you mind just pretending to play bass for this? Yeah. I said, yeah, no problem. So we did the music video, had a blast, um, and then she and I kind of started talking a little bit more, and she initially invited me into the project as the bassist. Right. And I said, um, I'm really not a bassist. Um, I said, I, but I love the music. I think you're great. I love Angela. Um, I love the, the team that you have. I think the, the music that you wrote is um, phenomenal. And I was like, I don't play bass, but I will learn to play bass <laughs> if if it means I get to work with you because I just so much respect for what she's done and yeah. the effort she's put in. And I just think she's such a great person. I was like, this is something I, I really, truly believe in for you. And if I can help and you want me to play bass, no problem. So bass is for a hot second. And then eventually Jess was sweet enough to be like, hey, listen, I feel like I'm doing you an injustice and I need a second guitarist. Would you be interested in doing that? And so that would be awesome. transition to that for a minute. We had a rehearsal for a show she had coming up and then... Um, Angela called me a couple days later and just said, hey, I we feel that Jess's career is going to be better suited for her without having another female guitar player in the band. I guess that's true. If you're going for like an image. Right. That makes sense. But it it's really does. it's really unfortunate because I would love to see you two trading bars on a guitar. That would be fucking awesome. Is there any is there any like you need to talk uh, or somebody needs to talk to them and be like, like set up a show for you guys as you your own art like your own entity and you know jack's jess's jack's hollow project yeah uh, get you guys on the stage together i mean that would be that would be like the ultimate dream it was it was a really hard conversation for me i will say like even the one rehearsal we had for this jess and i did that and it was so much fun and we just like came up with all these ideas for like stage choreography and whatever and like we both ended up the song that she wrote say my name has this killer riff the yeah. intro riff, you know what I'm talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah. So I was playing it up the octave from her, and we both oh. started out, and the plan was we are going to open the show playing it with the guitars behind our heads. Nice. It was going to be killer. But I, from a professional standpoint, I completely understand where Angela's coming from, but from a personal standpoint, it was heartbreaking for me yeah. because I was, like, I was, you know, first of all, the last thing I wanted to do was give the impression that I was going to be a problem. Right. At all. And, um, you know, and I just, for me, it was hard because I was like, I don't understand what I did, but... You know, I, I respect Jess so much, and I completely agree that, like, for her sake, that's the way to go. Yeah. Um, but it was a really hard conversation. So I was – after that, that was the end of my stint in Jack's Hollow. But Jess and I are still very close. I still care so much about Angela and Michael. And uh, Jess and I have always been talking about, you know, ultimately the day – like, the dream is someday get to, like, share a headline together yeah. and get to play a stage together. I think would – all right, here's something that – and I guess I'll just pitch it here. I'm going to pitch this to Angela eventually – um, I want, so like we can, so they want, uh, Jack's Hollow's image to be, you know, like she's the star of that band. And, and a, she and is. A, absolutely. 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 And, and she's a badass fucking guitarist. So, uh, just like you are. And, um, so what I want to put together is like Jack's Hollow and there's, uh, another female, uh, guitarist that is really amazing. Um, I'm blanking on her name, but I've been following her on Instagram. I've been stalking her on Instagram. <laughs> but, That's what um, Instagram's for. Yeah, right. Um, so I'm going to reach out to her soon, too. But what I want is, like, for, okay, so Jax plays, like, a set of, like, four songs and then maybe brings, like, you on and you guys trade riffs or, or trade bars, whatever, do a few songs together. And then the third guitarist comes uh, out, and you guys all just rock out with that. And then it's just like a fucking guitar blues rock fest uh, uh, to close out the show. And I think that would be that would be amazing. Fucking awesome. Are you talking about Meg Williams by chance? Yes. Yeah. I think that's her because I knew it was Meg, so it has to be Williams. It's Meg Williams. She's the only other 
kick-ass like besides jess like that that's in the blues world that's yeah. the only one i know yeah around nashville she's awesome I love yeah her. so like that's I'm definitely going to pitch that to Angela and see if we can find a venue. And I don't know what my involvement would be after that. Maybe I can live stream it or something. But um, That would be amazing. That would be yeah. incredible. <laughs> I would love to see that. Yeah, that would be that would be fantastic. I mean, just as uh, there is there is footage of us somewhere, somewhere in the, the, the depths of somebody's hard drive. It must be released. Of us uh, covering Barracuda together in a very, very small rehearsal space. Uh, <laughs> like too small. And uh, that was that was pre-COVID. I don't know whatever happened to that footage, but it's there somewhere. So hopefully we could do something like that again. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, all right, so these these man, that really would be awesome. But anyways, so these these songs that you're uh, writing now, do you have like a, a favorite one, or I mean, not necessarily favorite, but one that means like the most to you, and and maybe has like a story behind it that you could uh, break down for us? Yeah. Um. So the one I actually was playing on today, it's it's. I'm a very guitar riff oriented person and uh, I, I have this problem where the things that I write that are the most sensitive are the least guitar impressive. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, the song that uh, is going to be the second release in the second music video is called I'm Going to Leave You. And I wrote it, uh, I was dating somebody briefly. I got out of a really long term relationship last year. Uh, it was a really hard breakup. Uh, he and I ended up continuing to work together after we ended the relationship and it was just like an unhealthy situation and yeah. um i wasn't really planning on getting back into a relationship for a while um but i think everybody gets lonely so uh met a great guy in december and uh or november or something and um we were just kind of hanging out keeping it casual and um i had to go to london in january to uh meet with somebody for uh, a, a business situation that was pre-covid so it was still up and running um, and before I left, he said, just do me a favor and don't fall in love while you're in London. Mm. And sure enough, I was in London and I met somebody and it just went, I, I, I'm going to have to leave this person. And I got back and I wrote the song and, um, I just think I just told him literally like, you know what? I, I met somebody I have feelings for and, and you're awesome and it's nothing personal against you, but this is over. So that's what I'm going to leave you about. Um, and that's, that's it was rough. Yeah, it was rough. And I don't think that the gravity of it hit me until I was tracking it and having to sing the choruses over and over. And I was like, wow, this song is really sad. <laughs> like, I kind of wrote it as like, a, you know, I'm getting out of this and I'm going to put myself in this situation with this, this person where it's all or nothing. Um, but, uh, you know, like, I, I think by the time I started tracking, I was like, this is actually like to think about it as the other person. Like you tell somebody, hey, just as a joke, just do me a favor. Just don't fall in love while you're gone. And they come back and suddenly you don't see them ever again. Yeah. That's that's rough and it kind of hit me while I was recording it. So that song kind of took on a new meaning for me and so I like that one. So so I think that's probably one of the more important ones to me. Would you mind playing that for us? Not at all. <laughs> Transitions. <laughs> Hold on, let me hop over here and <laughs> Yeah, I'll meet you out for drinks And I'll talk to all your friends And I'll ask about your day Let you spend the night again You should know I'm gonna leave you You should know I'm gonna leave you I'll let you call me darling Run your fingers cross my skin Blast some music for the neighbors While we break my mattress in You should know I'm gonna leave you You should know I'm gonna leave you Cause when it comes down to the wire I'll just cut and run once more In the morning you'll wake up alone An empty bed and an open door I just don't have it in me Stick around, take this chance Love the feeling of the first kiss I won't let it be my last I'm gonna leave you I know you're looking for a romance Someone to stick by for a while I've got damage I'm still fixing I'm still phoning in the smile don't you ever say you love me don't you ever make a vow I won't fake any emotion or act like I can stick this out cause when it comes down to the wire I'll just cut and run once more in the morning you'll wake up alone an empty bed and an open 
blue tide receding I'm your dark before the dawn I'm your dream before you wake up I'm the breath that's in your lungs You should've known I'm gonna leave you You should've known I'm gonna leave you Cause when it comes down to the wire I'll just cut and run once more Morning you'll wake up alone Empty bed and open door I just don't have it in me Stick around and take this chance Love the feeling of the first kiss I won't let it be my last I'm gonna leave you Welcome. There's a riff to it, but it's so weird to play. I'm just like, I've started emitting the riff when I play by myself. It's like... It's a little catchy hook, and every time I play it by myself, I'm like, God, that sounds so lame without a band behind right, it. I yeah. can't do it. I was doing a live stream once, and I don't know if the guy was yelling at me or the neighbor's dog who was barking, <laughs> but I was doing a I Can't Make You Love Me, and uh -huh. I just hear from outside of my door, Shut up! <laughs> it's like, oh, God. That's the last thing That's you the hear. worst thing you could get. That's even worse than just dead silence. <laughs> Your neighbor's yelling at you. Well, either way, that was a fucking awesome song, and I can't wait to see it performed with a live band so you can play that riff in it, you know. Yeah, it's a much heavier song with a full band. A lot of these are. I wrote them that way because, yeah. like, I, something in my brain, I think after working with Jess, who is brilliant at writing multiple guitar parts, something in my brain just went, that's like an option, you know, like FYI. You can do that. And so I dug out my... Like my interface, and I just was like, you know what? I'm gonna like write songs as if I'm writing them for a five piece. And, um, but that one is, it translates fairly well. So, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Um, so yeah, that, that sort of, that sort of brings a, okay. So I, I heard that you're doing your first writer round soon. Today. Today. Oh, that's today? <laughs> okay. Um, so everyone that doesn't know, or for anyone that doesn't know, um, because I, I say this every time writer's rounds get brought up, I don't know if writer's rounds are, are Nashville centric. I don't, I don't know. know of anywhere else that does them. Um, so I don't know if that's just a Nashville thing. It might be. I don't know. But um, so basically, Writer's Round is like an open mic almost for um, uh, singers and songwriters. And it's usually like country, you know. Yeah. And um, and so uh, and I mean, you know, famous people will pop in sometimes, too. But um, it's it's really mostly seen as like an open mic type of thing. And people just sort of. Uh, you know, sit on uh, sit on stage, sometimes in a circle, sometimes in a straight line, whatever. And uh, they just will go down the line, play a song, and that's a writer's round. Now, my question to you is, you're not a country musician, so no. <laughs> how do you feel that's going to go tonight? I mean, like, and also what, like, what, like, called you to try out a writer's round for... I have so many questions. What call? <laughs> what like like what called you to go try a writer's round? Why have you never done one before? And how do you think you'll be received with such a different sound? Uh, uh, those are very good questions. Um, the reason I'm doing it, uh, the the company or the 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 promoter, uh, whoever I don't know what you would label them as, but Nashville Tour Stop. Can you bring that closer? To yeah, me? of course. Yeah, sorry. Nashville Tour Stop. <laughs> Uh, do you know them? Have you heard of National uh -uh, Tour stuff? No, no, I haven't heard of them. Well, I don't know. They, somebody who works for that brand put up an ad on Facebook saying, "Hey, we're looking for uh, artists to do these shows." Now, I didn't. I know. I think I had known that they were affiliated with like solo writers rounds, but I meant to kind of be like, "Hey, I I use a band." Right. Um, and I just said, "Hey, I've got some new music coming up. I'm a local artist. Whatever. I think I sent them some links or something." And they were really cool. Got back to me right away and said, "Hey, we'd really love to have you." Now, in my mind, I'm going, great, another full band show. Right. And uh, then I saw the venue was Belcourt Taps, mm -hmm. which I know is notorious notorious for right. not having bands. Exactly. So I said, hey, uh, just double checking about the 30th. Um, is this a solo gig? And they went, yeah. And I said, oh, all right, sure. Um, I, I don't do solo gigs because I really, I don't think of myself as a singer. I don't really consider myself that great of a songwriter. Yeah. I know that I can play a guitar. And that's what I like to hide behind. Right, <laughs> that's right, right. a great cover. Um but uh, well, to alleviate, um, you know, maybe some some of your uh, stress there. I mean, what you just played for us was awesome. Oh, so, well, thank I mean, you. You know, vocally, uh, lyrically. I mean, it, I thought it was great. So. Well, thanks. I mean, there was a uh, there's a bar down on Fifth Ave in downtown called Standard Proof Whiskey, mm -hmm. which I highly. And you are a whiskey drinker. Yes, I love whiskey. I <laughs> highly recommend this place. Uh, 
I, I'm not even that big of a whiskey fan myself up until I started going to this bar. Mm-hmm. And they actually asked me to play a solo gig there, like 45 minutes. And normally I would never do it. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, you know what? I, I kind of get really weird and stubborn and defiant and like, fuck it. Yeah. Um, so I did it by myself and did a lot of the songs. In fact, I think all of the songs that I've been doing with the bands um, and just was like, let's just this is like a low key environment. Let's see how it pans out. Just doing it by myself. And it was fun. Also, I I, I don't know. I, I think I'm just a difficult person in general. And I just like to just kind of take the risk of this might sound awful, but we're going to do it anyway. I think tonight will. I, I just I've never done them before because I really it never appealed to me. I know I'm not a country singer. I'm right. just it, nothing even, even remotely close to country right, that right. I do. And I, I don't like acoustic guitars. <laughs> that much. I like things that are loud and aggressive like me. Yeah. Um. But I think uh, like the 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 show that I did at Standard, I I even played this telly, and mm-hmm. I just did forty five minutes with just me and the telly, and it went good. It went surprisingly well. It was really well received, which was a blessing. And so when Nashville Tour said, "Yeah, it's gonna be a solo thing," and I saw it was a writers' round, I was like, "You know what? I've never done it before. Why not? You're like, so what's the worst thing can happen?" It's more just like a fuck it thing. It's a fuck it thing. Yeah. Uh, most things I do are fuck it things. <laughs> if I'm if I'm it being honest, it sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that okay. So. Do you know what, uh, are you going to play some of your new tunes there and just see kind of how they're received? And Yeah, so I'm going to do, I'm going to leave you. Um, one that's been going over really well live is Little Parahelion, okay. um, which I don't think I've released footage of yet. I've been meaning to. No, I um, haven't found that anywhere online. So. Yeah, the, the weird thing that happened at both original shows was we didn't manage to get the audio from the soundboard. So everything that you're hearing oh, is from Austin's man. camera. Yeah. That's why it sounds like it's shifting throughout yeah. the video because Austin, it's just what his camera picked up. Both times there's been some weird, like the sound guy forgot to hit record or oh, whatever. Man. So I do have that one that I'm planning on releasing. It's just going to, it's not going to be the best quality. But Little Parahelion does go over really well. And it is by far the most emotional song that I do live. Like that's the one that I did that at Rebar. And I don't know for what, I don't know what I was thinking about. But during the solo, I actually ended up crying, which is so embarrassing. That's oh. like, <laughs> that's like, you know, an hour into the makeup, just getting wasted. Um <laughs> But uh, so I'll do that one tonight. I'll do I'm Gonna Leave You. And I, I don't know how many songs you do these things. Do you know? I mean, I've never done one because um, I was never a country artist either uh, in my brief stint of, well, I, I mean, I've played music my entire life, so it's not brief. But um, getting into the Nashville scene, like I never got into writer's rounds because I knew it was country. And I've always been blues oriented as well, which is, again, why I had to really? have you on. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, that's why I wanted you on, because I was like, uh, she's fucking killing it on the guitar there. And but and that's totally my style. You know, like, I want, I love a three-piece drum, bass, guitar who Power can you. kill it. Like, you know, Hendrix right behind you. That's, you know, that's why. Exactly. And so, um, but yeah, so I never really got into the writer's round thing, so I don't really, you know, I got no advice for you. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's it's literally a situation of like, what's the worst that could happen? They don't have me back. You know, I think I, I feel yeah, survived. I mean, yeah, because I mean, who cares? But I'm grateful for the opportunity all the same. Yeah, National yeah. Tour Stop's going to hear this and be like, wow, rude. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> no, I am grateful <laughs> for the opportunity. I'm excited to try something new, you know, branch out. It's 2021. Fuck it. Right. Well, uh, Lilani, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, thank you for it's having not, me. It's not quite over yet. Um, I always ha- I end it the same way, just like I start it the same way. Um, which I hope that's not too formulaic. I hope people still listen. But anyways, um, yeah, so I always, there's two questions. Any any advice that you would give a Nashville artist that is coming up through the scene now? Because that's what this is all about. That Nash, Real Music Nashville is, I really hope that Nashville musicians listen to this mm-hmm. and then uh, support each other, especially the people that have been on the show and start promoting each other and build a sense of community and everything. And um, that's rather I really hope this is. And uh, so that being said, like, do you have any advice you would give someone coming up in Nashville right now, especially if they just got here? I do. Uh, from an original standpoint, because um, I, I do appreciate that you like to have an original artist on here. And I think that that's honestly more important than than the Broadway shifts or whatever, because yeah. it's a riskier business. Um, this is advice I got from Joe Bonamassa, and I oh, follow shit. it what? to the best that I can. Did you have personal yeah, we're, we're, yes, we are friends while I knock your microphone. That's yeah. okay. So um, I'm lucky enough to call him a friend. That's um, amazing. He's actually the reason I got into blues guitar. Whoa. He's the artist I saw that was like, fuck, if I can, if I can do what he does. Yeah. Um, he, the advice he gave me, uh, which I hold very dearly, is you have to have a blind faith in yourself because absolutely no one else will. And it's kind of true. And you have to 
be fearless in your decisions. And as somebody who's pursuing this newly, I, I wholeheartedly agree. If you don't believe in yourself and you don't have that attitude of, I just have to try it and what's the worst that can happen and, <clears throat> and the effort that I'm putting in may pay off and it might not, but you just have to see what happens because you're doing it for a reason. That's the best advice I can give. It's just have blind faith in yourself. That's absolutely true. Because if you don't believe in yourself, that's going to come through. And in some way or another, it will hold you back. Um, other than that, if you're looking to do cover gigs, learn the material. You know, shed, I guess. But as an artist, I think just, and then, and just embracing the fact that you are not like anybody else. And I think it's easy for people to try to characterize you or label you. Um, I get the rocker chick thing a lot, which I, sure, I, I will take that. I embrace that about myself. Um, I think a lot of people think I'm a lot more outgoing than I am, but that's fine. I understand that there's a difference between your personal persona and your, your, you know, your stage persona. I think there has to be a separation of degree. Um, where was I going with that? What a fantastic <laughs> advice, rant. Advice, yes. Advice. Thank you. Advice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, just, you know, just know that nobody else is doing what you're doing. And you have your own unique thing, and it would be a waste to not embrace that. Yeah, that's kind of the best advice I can give. That's awesome. At this point, and then, um, and then also in the same sense of community and building a network, um, what Nashville artists do you know of that you think the listener might enjoy and and uh, um, should check out? Oh gosh. Uh, so many. Well, besides, and you can name as many as you want. It besides Jax Hollow, one. because I just think that what she's doing is so awesome. I love Jax Hollow. Um, something right beyond here you said is great. Yeah. Monica Llewellyn, I know, just wrote her first album. She's working on that. I think that's great. Mercy Bells, kick ass. Uh, one of my favorite bands of all time here is the Weird Sisters. Oh, uh, yep. Yeah, awesome I think too. they're just such a bizarre, quirky, uh, whatever they've got going on is great. Um, gosh, so many people, so many people that I just love and respect here. It's 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 hard to narrow it down. Um, I think any original Nashville musician you come across is worth checking out because they're here for a reason. Yeah. You know, I think Nashville chases people out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone that you come across in Nashville that's actually pursuing this wholeheartedly with their entire being and their entire soul that comes across. And yeah, the people that don't have that get chased out. Aaron Sparling, the reveal. I mean, both two groups that, that just work their asses off. Yeah. I mean, gosh, just so many people I could name. So I just, I, I would have to literally pull up a list. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Lalani Kilgore. By the way, is that your r real last name? Yeah, it is. That's a fucking brutal last name. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, it, but it's so lame. Like, it's, it, like, it's such a weird contradiction. Leilani is Hawaiian, which I'm not, yeah. uh, for Heavenly Flower. And Kilgore is, like, this super, like, death metal awesome sounding name. Yeah. It's it's Scottish for like wood of goats or something like it just comes from like oh this is the family that kept goats in a forest okay Kilgore it's ridiculous so but yeah that's but, my name. <laughs> well, anyways, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it was absolute blast. This is one of the best podcasts I think I've ever done. And um, uh, take the the end of the episode and plug anything and everything you're doing, whatever you're doing. I want to know about it. Uh, June 17th, I'm on a bill at the East Room, which I'm so excited about. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just like as an all original thing, I just, I, the all original stuff I get so excited about. Um, sharing a bill with the reveal to uh, um, uh, play for a band coming out of Florida called Bad Cameo. They just released the first single, so we're going to be at the East Room with them. So very excited about that. June 19th, uh, I'm going to be doing part of a Women Who Rock lineup at Ridden Hour Studios in their like live setup room, which is gorgeous. And it's basically just going to be a giant bachelorette party with a bunch of kick-ass women-fronted rock bands. So it's me and uh, oh shoot, I <laughs> the other ones, the other these other two phenomenal women who I just can't remember at the moment. Um, that's going to be June nineteenth, and then uh, I think um, August we're doing a date at um, a venue called. Uh, Shoot. See, this is why this is why I need a manager. I can't remember. But and the June seventeenth, <laughs> well, the June nineteenth, they're happening. Where so can that's they exciting. find? You? Where can they find your dates? On my website. Okay. Which and is... uh, that is www .com. Triple X Moonshine music video will be out in probably two to three weeks. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And then I don't know. There's, pro there's probably other stuff I got going on, but I can't remember. Then check out all of her socials: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm sure you have all those. Lilani Kilgore. Thank you so much for being on the show. And, Thanks for having me, man. You're the shit. I can't wait to see what you do with now that you're pursuing, you know, your own career as an artist. 
I can't wait either. It's been very exciting. So thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Thanks. And that is the episode with Leilani Kilgore. She is absolutely awesome, an incredible guitarist, great singer-songwriter. And like I said, I just can't wait to see where she goes as an artist now that she's pursuing her own career. And don't forget to go check out Triple X Moonshine. I'm sure that's out now or it will be in the next couple weeks. So check her YouTube and Instagram for that. And yeah, just support her as much as you can. She is absolutely amazing. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to all of our stuff, all of our socials at Real Music Nashville um, across the board. And typically we would transfer out of the episode with uh, some music from Leilani, but since she doesn't have anything out quite yet, hopefully the in-studio performance was enough for you. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this one and we'll see you in a couple weeks.